Words from the Hills, reconfigure your life, change your heart, and prepare you for all that God has destined you to be. Welcome to the Hills Church. Amen. It's always a, a pleasure to be here. This is home to me. Um, and um, that, that song has been plaguing me for the last like three weeks. I can hear it seven times a day and it's still not enough. And I just break down every time. I don't know how I was able to control myself here. But one thing I'm very clear about is the demand of this season. God is looking for, it's a season of the remnant. So much is happening around us that is, it's, it's, and it's going to continue happening at such a pace that you can't even keep up. There's so much confusion. You don't, you, so, so much uncertainty. You don't know which way. You know, I'm just watching America closely and I'm smiling. God hasn't even started. We scatter many things. You know, but at this time, we need to be people who understand what is in the mind of God. It doesn't matter how much chaos happens. There was a storm when Jesus was with the disciples in the boat. And the storm was raging and tossing the boat all around. And he just stood up and said, peace, be still. They were already panicking that. He said, let's go to the other side. They were going, he was sleeping. The boat was performing. The winds were just all over the place. And I said, you guys, are, how, will I be with you forever? What kind of faith do you have? He said, let's go to the other side. That was a certainty. But between there and there, all hell broke loose. It doesn't matter what happens. The issue is, what has God said? And so the one thing you must battle to do is hear him clearly. Even in the times where there's confusion. And that's why today what I want to talk about is the heavenly perspective. And Pastor Mo, in the write-up we put on, 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 the, on the platform, just trying to dissect it. The Bible is about, it's always about two things. It's always about two things. So whether it's about life or death, Jerusalem or Babylon, um, truth versus lies, earthly wisdom versus divine wisdom, as in James 3, you always see the juxtaposition of two things. Joshua said, choose this day, life or death. There's always a choice we're making every day of our lives. Even in the simple things. You wake up in the morning, what do I want to wear? As simple and mundane as that is, there's something God expects of you. Will what you do glorify God? Until you come to that place where your every thought, your every action is guided by what he wants. You still have some ways to go. The remnant are the one. It says in Isaiah that they take root downward and then they bear fruit upward. But if you read the verse before that, it says there's decimation. Everything is scattered. Then they take root. And roots don't grow overnight. They take time. So in that time of taking root, everything up above might be confused 
but there's work going on. And then when they begin to bear fruit upward, then you see the fruit and then you say, ah, but there was always work going on. I want to run through a few scriptures quickly and then dive into what I want to do. First, let's look at Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians 1 from verse 19. Scripture we know very well. It says, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards, toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead? And he seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. They want us to look at Ephesians 2. verses 5 and six, five, six, seven. It says, even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. For by grace you have been saved. And he raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. And so Ephesians 1 talks about how when Christ was raised, the power of God by the Holy Spirit raised him up and took him and seated him at the right hand of the Father, far above all principalities, powers, and thrones, and dominions. And he says he will rule in, the age, in this age and in the age to come. Then Ephesians 2 says that we have been raised with him. So we are seated with him in heavenly places. And so I want you to put in perspective that you're on earth today. Your location, your geographical location is here, Lagos, Nigeria, earth. But your position is not earth. Your position is in heavenly places with Christ Jesus at the right hand of the Father. Far above all principalities and powers and rulers and thrones and dominions. And you will rule in the age to come. Now, the question is, what you see and what you know, there's a mismatch, right? Because you go through all kinds of persecution, pressure, you are crying, you are not sure, uncertainty, and all manner of things. It does not change the word of God. And that's what I bring this morning. That you need to recalibrate your sight. If you understand God, you don't have to see. He says Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Because in Romans 4, it says he believed, even when his body was dead, that he would have a child. And he did. In Genesis 15, God said to Abraham, when Abraham was saying, see as I am now, my servant will inherit all I have. And God said, no, of a certainty. And he says, how will I know this? 
And God said to him, bring a sacrifice, cut a covenant. And he said, your descendants will be more than the stars, more than the sand on the sea and the seashore and more than the waters. He says, they will go into captivity, into a land for 400 years. And what kind of reassurance is that? I'm trying to tell you, tell me I will have a child. They are telling me my descendants. We, we go into captivity 400 years by then I've gone. If I told him you will go in peace, but your descendants, I'm all kind of. <laughs> but he says, Abraham believed God. He believed God. Yes. And today we say, Father Abraham, the father of faith. Blessed are those who believe and don't see. That is the call to us today. Because now more than ever, I've tried to research in history. I don't know of any time as difficult as this. Everything seems upside down. Everything is coming in multiples. I mean, if you, when the pandemic started, they were showing pictures of the bubonic plague in the 19, um, 1919 or around that period. It was just in some places. This one is global. We've never seen a global thing, phenomenon like this. And there's more coming. So everything is multiplied in our, in our time. And it's going to increase because the glory of the latter is always more than the former. Everything I say is scriptural. Hebrews 12 has been in my spirit for seven years. It says that yet a little while I will shake not just the earth. And it references the time when God, when Moses brought the children of Israel to God at Mount Sinai. He says he shook the mountain. There was tremblings, there were lightnings. And the people said, Moses, we won't go again. You'll be going. Hear God and come and tell us we'll do anything. Say. But he says, this time I'm not just going to shake the earth, but I will shake the heavens. And he says, everything that can be shaken off will fall away. Only those things rooted in me will remain. That's, what, that's why I say it's scriptural. The shaking we have seen is small. Because if he says everything that cannot be shaken will remain and everything else will fall away, we haven't seen it yet. That's why your roots have to be deep. You have to be plugged into God now more than ever because the shakings are going to continue in different dimensions. But it is your preparedness that matters and your trust in God. When Abraham, when God said to Abraham that your descendants will be in captivity for 400 years and then they'll come out with wealth, great wealth, and come back to this land because Abraham was in Canaan at the time. Why it is so important to have a heavenly perspective, and that is God's perspective. So how many years did they actually spend in Egypt? How many? Let me know whether I read the Bible. How many years did they actually spend? Pastor, why are you giving them cronje? You people don't read Bible, you don't know. They spent 430 years. You would think that was a mistake, that our God was inaccurate. But you see, you have to understand God. That scripture said, 
they will come out after 400 years when the cup of the Amorites is full. So it is not about 400 years. It's about when the cup of the Amorites is full. So it meant at 400 years, the cup wasn't full. That was what, you see, so many people prophesying that the world will end in this year and that year. They don't understand. God has given patterns and signs. Those are the things you should look for. Not the year. And be running up and down like headless chickens. Your trust has to be in God. Your, your, your knowledge has to be in his word. Because that's the guide for the seasons and the ages. So if 400 years came along and what happened in Nineveh happened in, in, um, in um, Egypt. Because it says God sent Jonah to go and warn them that I am going to destroy. He didn't say I might. I am going to destroy, level you to the ground in 40 days. And he says they, they set up a fast that I have never seen in the history of this world since then. Man, woman, child, animal. <laughs> At least we know when we fast, you do the children, you leave them. This one, no, children, no, animal, no, nobody was eating. Fasting was super. So God had to just turn away and um, defer. So that could have been what happened in the time of Egypt. So if you are looking at 400 years, you miss it. That's why it's so crucial to understand God's perspective in any situation. Second case in point, Daniel. It says Daniel found out that the time had come for the word that God had given Jeremiah that 70 years you'll be in captivity, then I'll bring you out. He discovered it was time. He didn't start celebrating and doing countdown. He went back to pray for repentance for the people and for the nation and his people in case. Because it is not about 70 years. It's about something should have happened by 70 years. If that thing hadn't happened, if they hadn't repented, they, were not, they will stay there. Sometimes you're in a situation and they've told you, you know, because we're human beings, if, they, if I tell you that you're going to go through trouble and in seven days you're going to come out of it, you, by day six, you, you'd have been, in fact, you wouldn't even fast well because you're thinking it's just seven days, you'll be counting. But God probably has placed a condition and you are busy thinking because it's time, it's time. No. I'm very clear in my mind that in this season, in this dispensation, we need to understand God's mind because there are things happening, there are shifts that are happening globally and in our country that if you don't understand you just go in the wrong direction. And the cost of going in the wrong direction now is greater than ever. It can set you back. So everybody's watching the US election closely. And everybody's commenting and just taking sides. When the whole Black Lives Matter thing came up, we're black. We don't like what's happening to our fellow blacks and even Nigerians. People are getting killed, yes. But what is the... And I'm being very careful here because you comment, well, you say you said one thing, one thing. What's the antecedents and the root of the BLM? It does not 
nobody is saying that people are not being killed. Blacks are not being killed and being harassed, just like we have NSAS now. If you told anyone two weeks ago that we would have demonstrations that will almost pull down things in this country, nobody will believe you. So things happen at such fast paces. And you have to be discerning enough to know what side of the divide to stand on. Because the Black Lives Matter issue, it's not, you know, people, just like the way we have riots, people hijack and start using it for a different thing. Is there a cause? Yes. The way it's been going, is that right? There are many issues around it. The, the progenitors of, the, of, of Black Lives Matter, we know that communists are cultic. Yeah, even the gay and lesbian are even better than the occultic. They are using a lot of the things when they are chanting the name of the people who have died. They are calling spirits. There was an interview they had. One guy had the interviews that they gave and they were talking amongst themselves and how what they do when they do those things. They are calling the names. When they are saying George Floyd, George Floyd, George Floyd, they are calling and invoking the blood. There are spiritual dimensions to these things. And we are, we are just supporting not knowing. Make no mistake about it. I don't like Trump for anything. I don't. He's, he's brash. He's too obnoxious. However, I know that he's there because of God. God put him there. He will come back. Whether we like it or not. Because, you see, it's about the mind and the mindset of God. The election. There's a, there's a prophet called Hank Kuhneman. The first election. Hank Kuhneman, in February, he said something very striking, and I was tracking it from that time. If you went emotional, you would go with Hillary. But he said he's not going to talk about who, that everybody is so focused on the who about that election. It's more about the what. And he says the what is about what God wants, and that the one who will back what God wants is the one who will win. He didn't mention names. But I tracked that whole situation. And what came to pass came to pass. So you see, Trump has been supporting Israel, has been supporting the whole issue around abortions. The, the number of babies that are aborted yearly in US is mind-boggling. The blood that is shed in that nation is mind-boggling. And you know there are three things that can pollute a land. One is sexual immorality. The second is bloodletting especially sacrificial or ritualistic. What's the third? <laughs> I said that, so I try to remember. Forgive me, I can't remember right now, but the two, that bloodletting that is done, it can cause things to happen. Do you remember the battle of Moab when Elisha prophesied that they would, Israel would defeat Moab? And he says, they went against Moab and they were defeating Moab. And when the king of Moab tried to break out with some his elite warriors, they, they were trapped. He went and sacrificed his son on the top of the, 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 the tower. And he says, Israel, there was indignation against Israel. And Israel went back home. A war that God has said they will win, they lost because someone sacrificed. There's a principle that the heavens belong to the highest bidder. 
a lot of things are going on in our country. People are taking time and devoting themselves to do things. And we are busy doing like this. We're not supposed to be sacrificing, but we're supposed to be spending time in the spiritual dynamics of our faith to neutralize all those things. And we're not. That's why it's so important in this season to have a heavenly perspective to everything you're doing. So I said, our position is what is crucial. Our position in Christ. There's a lot happening right now. In Daniel 7, I think it's around 25, it talks about how the the that's the precursor of the Antichrist. It says, the one who will raise his head up and bring a desolation of the temple was waging war against the saints. And it says, he almost, he was wearing down the saints. And that is the strategy of the enemy. You find that you're faced with like a siege, pressure from different sides at the same time. And the one thing you want to do is just get away from it and just keep yourself away. That's what the enemy does. He wears you out to the point where you go off on your own and you're exposed and he takes you out. So that when you're faced with pressure on many sides, work, house, this, that, too many things at the same time, that's the time you need to step back and pray more. Because the strategy of the enemy is always to weigh you down and wear you out to the point where you can't function. So you need to come with a higher revelation. And we are in that kind of season. Why that song I was singing at the beginning really is impressed on my heart is, this is the time where we need to literally with reckless abandon, let go of things that distract and just ensure that by fire, by force, we enter his presence. Because that's the only guarantee you have of guidance in these times. That's the only thing that will help you descend correctly at this time. Because things are happening and will happen at such breakneck speed that you won't even have time to think. And what seems like is not necessarily the right path. There's a way that seemeth right unto man, but is a way unto destruction. So the main fight we have is to battle to get into God's presence. It's becoming increasingly difficult you come into town from out of town now in Lagos and you can easily spend five hours on the road because of the closed bridge and this and that. And you get home tired, frustrated, angry. Prayer would have out of the window. You wake up the next day. In fact, they wake you up with one problem. You just dive in. <laughs> That's why I say this season, 
You need to deliberately cultivate the presence of God around you. You have to. Because the enemy is raging on every side. Like Pastor Mo was praying. He said, look, he, he, he will come against. He has fallen, but you know, it's like a thrashing, a serpent you cut the, the head off. The body will still be thrashing around. We need to access, we have the access. We have the resources. It says the weapons of your warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God. Even a jawbone, bone, bone that you just give a dog to eat. Samson used it to kill a thousand Philistines. So the things that don't seem like weapons are weapons. But they're not weapons in themselves. They are made mighty through God. We have the access. We have the resources. But most of all, we have the victory. Jesus said, I have overcome the world. Be of good cheer. But you will go through trials and tribulations. But that's not the issue. The issue is, what's the end game? That's why your perspective has to be properly calibrated in this time. Because in the time of Elijah, Elijah performed something phenomenal in taking out 850 prophets in one day. And I can imagine the swag he would have had when he walked into town as a new sheriff. Then Jezebel just said, if I don't take you out today, I'm not there. Do you know who Jezebel's mother was? But who was her mother? Athaliah. Who was Athaliah? The one who took out all the royal seeds. All. Just so that she could rule. That's generational wickedness. She gave a threat, and Elijah was threatened. And I mean, imagine a whole man who had done just one threat or just message. The guy took off. So you can imagine the weight, the demonic weight of that message. It's easy to think Elijah was just a weak. No, the man was, for him to take stand and take on all the prophets, taunt them all day, then perform what he did, and God came down for him. Then someone just comes and issues a threat. It's not normal. And he took off and became suicidal. And says, Lord, take me. What we face is not, it's not, no, it's not, it's not simple. It's, it's, it's couched in seeming uh, sophistication. What we face in the world today is deep. But what God said to Elijah after that was, there are 7,000 others who have not bowed. That's the criteria. They have not bowed. That means they have counted the cost and they are not going to bow like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. What did they say to Nebuchadnezzar? Oh, king, we are not mindful of your threats. Our God is able to save us. 
He says, but even if he doesn't, we will not bow to your statue. They knew the, the um, price. What of Daniel? It says they had gone and tricked the king to make an edict that nobody, anyone who prays to anything or any god for 30 days other than the king will be fed to the lion's den. And the king said, yeah, that's a good one. But when he realized what they were doing, he was sorrowful. But what trips me the most is, it says, when Daniel knew that this thing had become law, not happenstance, he says he went to his house, opened the windows, and the way he always prayed, he prayed with his window open. So he knew the implication of that, that he will die, but he did it. For me, the pattern of being able to stand in the office of heavenly perspective in the times and seasons we live in now is Daniel. That's the pattern for me in scripture. Because when, when, he, when he was capt and they were captured, he was about 16, 17. And he says when the king said they should feed, choose from the royal household and feed them, and that after one year I will make them indoctrinate them into a land. He told the eunuch, he says he, did, he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. A 16-year-old. It shows you the level of understanding he had. He knew that if he didn't do that, you can't go against the king's orders. And that's why the eunuch said to him, do you want us to be killed? And he said, okay, you know what? Just give us 10 days and give us food, water, and bread and see what happens. That's why I know that when the king, you see, there are, there, there are things that are not in scripture, but you can, you can um, connect them. When it says, the king said, nobody could interpret his dream, go and kill them. Kill all the wise men, because they were just, he wasn't there before, but they went to him first, because he's always the one they will come to. And he says, the king shouldn't be hasty, just take us to the king, tell him, king, just wait. He didn't know the answer. But that tells me that's his way. The same way he did it when the food, he went to God and said, we have committed you, you have to answer. <laughs> and God answered. No, when, when you read through Daniel, it, 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 that's one pattern for someone like me that is in the, works in the corporate world. That's my guide, Joseph and Daniel. Because if you don't understand it, you will, you will, you will just strike out. Daniel was who he was under four different kings. So it wasn't like a, just a, a connection. Mm -mm. It was who he was. And so he was saved from the lion then by God. He just went. He, he prayed knowing what would happen. And he was fed to the lions, but nothing could happen. But for me, the action on the cake is when he would pray to God, the angel would ask, come immediately. And the angel would say to him, you are beloved of God. I have come to bring understanding. From the minute you prayed, an answer was sent. Daniel was not a prophet. Though. He was not. But he's in the list of the major prophets. And his prophetic utterances, outside of Revelation, none captures the end times like him. In fact, 
He's a deeper than revelation. So that's why I'm saying you need to have heavenly perspective to live in the world today. Because I go back to what I said. Your location is here on earth. A, a, a fractured, confused world. But your position is seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Your position is meant to guide what you do on a daily basis. You are meant to superimpose that perspective on what you, what you live on a daily basis. That's why Jesus said to the disciples, you are in this world, but you're not of this world. You are meant to function in the world, yes, but you are not of the world, so you don't walk according to the patterns and the dictates of the world. You superimpose the patterns of where you come from. Another scripture talks about we're like ambassadors on earth, of heaven on earth. It is so crucial that you are realign and rearrange your mindset in this time and in this season. I want to end with Psalm 91. And I want us to pray. Psalm 91 verse 1 says, He that dwells in the secret place of the Almighty shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I want to focus on two words. Dwell. Abide. Both of them connote a place of resting. Not visiting. The question I have for you is, are you dwelling in the sacred place? Because if you are not, you cannot abide. And that's the only place that you can access divine perspective. James 3 talks about earthly wisdom and heavenly wisdom. Heavenly wisdom is pure. It's what gives you the ability to function. The most critical thing for you in this time and this season is to dwell in God's presence. Ensure that his presence is around you. I've learned that it's so important to live in the overflow now more than ever. I mean, I'm not kidding. I literally wrote everything I was going to speak at about 3, 4 a.m. And I can't find it. I cannot find it. I'm able to speak because it, it entered me. My prayer to God has always been, Lord, let me not speak my words. Let me not speak enticing words of man's wisdom. Let me always speak what is in your heart. So I take the trouble to try and hear before I speak. We need to access his presence. Whatever you need to do, however you do it, you need to bury yourself in his presence.
practical things. You see, if you read in the Acts of the Apostles, in Acts 2, it says the Spirit of God came down upon them and they were filled and they began to speak in tongues. There was overflow. But you will see that the same set of people were filled several times. So that tells you that you can never be full enough. And in truth, daily living saps whatever life you have. So you need to top up constantly. Constantly. So you need, you see, Lagos is one of the toughest places to live in this world as far as I'm concerned. I was talking to a friend and he's like, he's not doing Lagos again, no. The, the family, the, the wife is abroad, he does business. So he does Abuja and where he's doing the business in Akwaibo. He flies into, I said, they lived in Lagos. So this, the born, bred, everything in this Lagos is over 50. But he said, this Lagos, I'm not coming. <laughs> so he spent five hours on the airport, blah, 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 blah. I'm, saying, I'm like, the people who live here, do they have 10 years? People have to live in Lagos now. But there has to be wisdom. And you have to create. You see, the presence of God doesn't just happen. You have to cultivate it. You have to have the right environment for him to come. If you're constantly stressed and pressured and angry, he can't come. Says the Holy Spirit, you don't grieve him. That means everything you do, you must be particular about it. For me personally, one of the things that helps me is music. It's always been music, even before I came to Christ. It's always been music. I have, I have worship constantly around me. I have an iPod. I made sure it's 100 and something gig. So the music, if you steal my iPod, you kill me. <laughs> At any point, there's a worship song that will come that can speak to an environment, that can speak to situations. And what I've what I come to understand from the last year, I've come to realize that God has released, that there's been a reconfiguration of the what we call the gospel scene in Nigeria. Because the Nigerian Christ, Christian music is being exported. You see what happened with Waymaker? You see the, the people who are... When um, Gideon Danso in Ghana had his empowerment conference, you had Victoria, you had Nathaniel, you have Sinash, you have people who are able to carry certain things. They can stand their own with the Chandler Moors and everybody. Because there's a sound God has released upon those who are, and, and for me in the last four years I've been saying it, that there was a reorganization of the music scene in Nigeria. God was setting aside the entertainer sense and bringing the ministers on. The ones who minister, who, play, who are not playing music to release albums, but they are ministering first and foremost to God. Myro, who just did the release of the album. I remembered very clearly, and that's what I spoke at the launch, that at uh, Mr. Gufere's birthday. Remember? 
we were there to pray for Mrs. Ogofrey, myself, Pastor Mo, um, Pastor Isi, and my wife, Pastor Nkese. Let me not say my wife. And we prayed over Heidi. But what, there was such a presence that day from the worship that I just said, I just feel we need to pray for Myro. So after, you know, me, I was directing, I wasn't praying. <laughs> so after they had expended all the energy praying for me, I said, you will, re- you, will not, you will not remain one drop in your body. You will release it over Myro. And we prayed. And I, and I felt very clearly, it wasn't about, because that was about three weeks or so to the Spirit and Life recording. I said it wasn't about that, it was beyond. That there's something God wanted to do, it was about the beyond. And in the last year, I've been clear. There's what you call prophetic minstrels. There are minstrels who can shift atmospheres in worship. That you worship, healings happen. Demonic afflictions go. That's what I know God put on him that day. And there's a crop of them. That's what God has been doing. I'm taking time to, to just layer certain things. Those guys, it's not just that they're playing music. Many of them, they're what you call sign prophets who walk the signs. So God said to Isaiah, I'm going to do this to um, Israel. So you will lie naked for so so number of days because that's what uh, it speaks of what I'll do to Israel. He said to um, um, the one who married the prostitute, uh, Hosea. He said, go and marry Goma, a prostitute, because that's what Israel is. But I will restore them. So most of them have gone through things that make them sing the songs that bring down presence. Nosa will tell you, uh, now you, now your way, how that song came about. Every one of them has something to speak to. What I'm trying to say is, you have to build around you God's presence to the degree that it will cause you to walk. You might, you might not be clear about what is going on, but because you seek him, you receive clarity, and you walk in it even when you don't know what you're doing. But it opens doors for you. It opens pathways. Even Sinatra was talking about how she got the song Waymaker was just on a flight. She was going through a period and just praying God. I'm clear that you have to have that sacrificial mindset for God to come down for you now more than ever. You have to engage God. You have to dwell. So this morning, I just want you to close your eyes. This is a place. It's your peniel, like Jacob. He says he met God in that place and he wrestled God till morning. This is your penial season. The season where you need to hold down and lock down and hold God. Nobody is going to do it for you. We need to press in. I want us to pray in the spirit. We really need to be descending. The Bible says in Romans that the times we know not what to pray or how to pray. 
but at the spirit through intercessions helps our infirmities with groanings which we can't utter there's a power in the chant when you when you when you sing in the spirit that opens heavens even modern prayer can and how much more when you are praying and you can get into that mode i felt an open there was a window that if you plugged in you stepped into something new these things happen without planning i did not plan to think in the spirit i just felt it i went for it some of us plugged in some you really need to learn to be discerning because it is the difference between success and failure in the times we live in so father we thank you for time in your presence may we not be visitors to your presence but may we be dwellers may we abide oh god under your shadow for this is the season of the manifestations of the sons of God may we be counted amongst that number of God in the name of Jesus we pray Amen Thanks for listening to this message from the Hills Church our mission is to love people connect with family and touch the world Learn more on our website at www.ecclesiahills.org or email us at hello at ecclesiahills.org.